they're going to have to make him the highest paid non-quarterback in the National Football League. Right now, that distinction belongs to Tyreek Hill, who just got $30 million a year from the Miami Dolphins. The Rams are going to have to do better than that because AD has made, what, $97 million in his eight years in the National Football League. He's a seven-time All-Pro. He's a Super Bowl champion. He's a three-time Defensive Player of the Year. He'll walk into the Hall of Fame in five years if he retires today. Let's go! The 4 O'Clock Football Frenzy on Cofield and Company. Back here, Cofield and Company. On this Wednesday, Adam Hill, Willie Ramirez carrying you up until 6 o'clock. We're just talking. It is football frenzy time, but that doesn't mean we have to stick with football. We were just talking about the WNBA and the Aces. And uh, Willie, you're out there a lot. I am. I'm, I'm enjoying the project that I'm working on. And as you remember, Adam, uh, earlier this year in Las Vegas, Athletes Unlimited, they brought, they have, um, it's all women's uh, professional sports, volleyball, softball, lacrosse, and basketball. This past season was the inaugural basketball season. They played here a five week season. Very unique in how they do it. 44 women. Every Sunday, a different draft. The teams change every single week. Captains are made by individual points. It's almost like a fantasy point system and as the game's going on they're accumulating points um so i did the recap writing and feature writing during the season made reach an agreement just before the WNBA season started to do every time a team comes through las vegas with an athletes unlimited alum if you will um we're going to do sort of a catching up where they're at so um and sid colson with the aces she she um, her feature comes out next week but tomorrow my first one drops Lexi Brown from the Los Angeles Sparks. They were in last week and had a, get, had a chance to talk to her father, D. Brown, the no-look slam dunk, former Boston Celtic NBA slam dunk champ, D. Brown. Hold on. The no, it's the pump it up guy. He pumped it. He was the first yeah. one to ever pump his Reeboks. Yeah. And then later in that one, he – remember he – Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I still think you could see. Yeah, well, it's, it's still called the no look, but yeah, no, he we, was the first one to ever, ever pump up the, the pump up the shoes. If we ever get a chance to talk to him again, we need to ask: Could he actually see? I'm sure somebody's asked before. I'm going to work on that. Yeah, I th- I'm sure he could see. Uh, we we will see the Raiders practice tomorrow, Willie. We will. I'm crushing it today with the segues. So well, you're always solid it. with that. So good at it. The one-liners. Yeah, we'll, we'll see the Raiders, the OTAs, especially tomorrow. in our group chat. As long as you don't mess with my money. <laughs> true uh otas are going on right now we get to see them once a week yeah uh which not great and we also get to see it from as we mentioned 33 miles away we i think we, we're gonna we're gonna watch bring some binoculars out there tomorrow we might actually see some players out on the field the way they have us positioned now again i say this knowing full well nobody cares right. like i'm not i'm not complaining for the sake of woe is us it's just it is fairly funny that you know people last week were like how does this guy look how does I, I literally got a dm from from a reader that was like last year you gave us breakdowns of plays and who was playing well and who did what like why aren't you doing that anymore like you get you getting complacent i'm like no we can't see like we, we don't we're way away from the action we don't know what's going on and so it's a little bit more difficult but and it's may and june it also is but people still want to know yeah they're they're hyped they're excited um man i i mean it, it's funny because we saw, you know, last year the Jamar Chase story during OTAs and, and rookie camp, and then mini camp was that he couldn't catch, dropped everything. He sucks. He didn't. He had a pretty good year. So again, don't overreact to what's going on because I did see. God, I wish I can't even remember who it is right now. There's one of the rookie receivers, 
might be, I don't want to, I, I, I think I know who it is, but I don't want to call him out if it's not him, but is dropping passes every single day at practice. And other teams, by the way, do get to watch every day. They don't get once a week like we do. Uh, but the the media at this uh, at the, for this other team is tracking all of his drop passes. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, didn't we learn with Jamar Chase last year? We over when he said he couldn't he couldn't see the trajectory of the ball the way that it rotated because the college college ball has lines on it and the NFL one doesn't. Uh-huh. And he said that, and the people freaked out and overreacted. And I remember him dropping in fantasy drafts because of it, <laughs> which is hilarious. He uh, he played pretty well. Tommy Fan may have had him. Yeah. Well, then he left the league and had to drop him because he wasn't in the league anymore. Yeah. Uh, but, yes, we will be out there. We'll get to observe. Last week, all all eyes, I think, at least my view, was just watching offensive line drills and watching offensive line, how they lined up uh, out on the field. And it was uh, Alex Leatherwood lining up at tackle. I, I thought it was kind of insane. <laughs> insane is not the right word. It was kind of silly after practice. When Josh McDaniel said, well, he's been working at every position today. He just happened to be playing tackle. The one day you guys were watching, he just played tackle all practice. No, he, that's where he's playing. Right. He's lining up there. Yes, they're going to line him up at guard occasionally, but they're trying to line him up at tackle. He wants to win the tackle job. They want him to win the tackle job. That's where he's going to line up. It, it'll be funny tomorrow if he lines up at tackle again all practice, and then afterwards, like, oh, it just happened. The two practices that you guys are watching, that's the two that he happened to be playing a tackle. I don't know. It's just okay, a so, if, and if, so, so that's the thing, though, Josh. If that's the case then this is this is your final look of the week. And if you've been lining him up in different positions all week and this is the final one, then that's where you liked him at. Because right. that's where you want him at. It's the final one. It's the final look until course. next week, until minicamp. So this is where you're at. So that was that was where the, all the attention was. Obviously, again, we j- just as context, not as complaining, we don't really see that much detail of what's going on out there. We did all see, and I think everybody commented on it, Devontae Adams dropped a pass, and it was like, whoa, yeah. Devontae Adams dropped a pass. Yeah, it's it's May. Right. It's also, he caught like 99.99% of the passes that were thrown him last week, but everybody freaked out about the one that he dropped. So there will be observations. You'll see things come out, but is there anything in particular that um, that maybe you could be keeping an eye on tomorrow that's different than the offensive line? I think my attention will once again be on the offensive line. My Yeah, and I think every week that's going to be all of our attention because that is the one area where, you know, if, if this offense is going to click, if this if – this, Quarterback-wide receiver combination of Carr and Adams. And if the ever-important rushing game, which has to work in order to put play action into, you know, uh, into play, in order for the passing game to actually work, it's the, the offensive line is, has to focus on our attention. I think tomorrow also I want to pay attention a little bit to the linebacking crew. Um, I think it's something that needs to be bolstered um, and, and we have to pay attention to. We talked to Perryman last week. Um, Chandler Jones, of course, is is now with the Raiders. So I, I'm c- kind of a little intrigued with the linebacking crew. I'm going to keep an eye on that. And once my scalp starts burning, I'll head inside. Yeah. Uh, I, I stayed out the whole time last week. It was maybe the wrong decision. I was, spray, I, I was spraying the sunscreen. I, the t- tomorrow I'll do it outside because I'm going to heavy dose it. Uh, and, and I, you know, I will, I will say um, there are other position battles that I'm very interested in. But I just – I think – we're not going to know. Try to think how to how to phrase this. Like I don't. Not that the offensive line is going to be set in OTAs. That's not going to happen. Never. But we do want to see whether Leatherwood's lining up at guard or tackle. Like that yeah. is a difference because one of the main questions I was asked by people that are very you know just very hardcore about the team is well who's taking the first team reps between 
maybe like Deron Harmon or Jonathan Abram. That doesn't matter. Like it, where they line up matters, but like who's taking first team reps and second team reps, that doesn't matter. They're Mexican matching. They're all over the place. Right. So like those are kind of questions that I know people have and that I would love answers to as well, but we're not going to get those answers um, until closer to training camp and even late in training camp when they August. start when they start really kind of nailing down where they are on the depth chart. Yeah. Uh, but you can you can tell, you know, is a guy lining up a tackler guard? Like those things are things that you could tell from OTAs. That that's you're gonna learn those things out there. And that that is why a lot of attention is on Leatherwood and not necessarily other positions. Because there are other positions that are, you know, up for up for grabs potentially. I mean, you know, is Nate Hobbs gonna line up inside or outside? That that's kind of interesting as well. I think I saw him um well, I saw a couple guys that were kind of taking reps at different places. So those things are, you know, a little bit less at this point. Like nothing is really set in stone. Nothing's firm, but there are certain things that are relevant uh, in OTAs, and and I think that's one of them. Yeah, and the other area that I'm really intrigued about, and we're uh, we're gonna touch a little bit on our hot takes, um, <laughs> even though it's June. On our hot takes. Well, yeah, isn't that that's what have, I see? We here. have hot takes. Adam and Willie's hottest ra- Raiders takes for this season. You included it on the what you sent over, or did you just cut? Was, did you just copy and paste everything? That was well. That's so going behind the scenes a little bit. Ari sends over topics. You send over topics, and then I have topics, and then I kind of combine them, and I just took all of the NFL topics and put them in one place. Do you have a hot take for the season? Do you want to give one? No. Well. I was just going to talk about a specific position because I think in in the running back room, I think Kenyon Drake is going to surpass Josh Hague. I think he's going to be – I've been saying this, that I think he's the key. I think he's the key for the running back room. Josh Jacobs obviously has something to prove, but I just believe that Kenyon Drake is more valuable in what he brings, and I think he can be more consistent if he stays healthy. I think he's the star running back for – he becomes – in past situations, he can come out of the backfield. He can become more effective. I'm not taking anything away from Josh Jacobs. I just I think I'm more high on Kenyon Drake. No. All right, this is not a this is not hot take. I'm just asking. I'm just asking you this question. Don't don't take this out of context, people. Okay. When you're listening to this, or don't like say like, oh, this is what this is what Adam said. He yeah, covers yeah. the team. This is what he said. <laughs> if Kenyon Drake surpassed Josh Jacobs as potentially quote unquote the starter, which we know the Patriots. Their their history with McDaniel's and going back with Belichick, they're not starters. They just they wrote guy a guy could be the starter one week and get twenty five carries and be deactivated the next week. Like that's how they operate. If Kenyon Drake was the starter for this team, why would Josh Jacobs be on the roster? I don't know. I mean, I, I mean that that's that's he's in his last year of his of his rookie contract. I mean, it's guaranteed. It, may, it makes sense. But I mean, why would you you would trade him? Well, and let's go back. When I said I said he would be surpassing as the star running back. Okay. So they can, you also they, just they, drafted a running back in Zamir White. You, you also have Brandon Bolden, who knows the system and has been around, and they brought him in yeah. to play there. You also have Amir yep. Abdullah, who could be the, the passing down back, although I don't necessarily know that he'll make the team. But like you've got all these other options. If we Kenny do, Drake was and, going and to those be, are things that we're going to learn not just through OTAs and minicamp. We'll learn that in training camp. I, based on last year, we have to see the new guys that are in the running back room. Uh, we we have to see as it progresses. I think that Kenyon Drake can surpass. That's that's I mean, just I, my. I definitely think he'll have a massive role. I just I, I know how that they I know how they use running backs uh, from a. They have been the most frustrating offense for fantasy football owners for a long time. I'm sure uh, Tommy Pham knows this, and <laughs> and Jack Peterson knows this. 
uh, they don't tend to have a bell cow. They don't tend to have a standout guy. They they rotate every single week, game plan specific. It's very, um, you know, it's very it's a smart way to use running backs, but it's not ideal for fantasy people. So we will see how this all plays out. The hot take from Willie that Kenyon Drake surpassed. You think more touches for Kenyon Drake than Josh Jacobs? Uh, I think maybe. I, I want to say like I I believe he could get more offensive snaps. I don't know about touches. Meaning, again, I think because he's a viable option on pass plays coming out of the backfield, and I think he can be more effective. And I think that the way the mess the writing on the wall that we were all saying when we were sitting out there for, well, you and I the last two days or were you out there the last two days of the draft? I know we were at the draft the first day. Or were you at draft? The, I was at yeah. I was down at you were the, headquarters. No, no, no. I was at. Caesars. I, I didn't leave. I arrived at Caesars like Thursday morning, and I didn't leave until like Oh, that's Sunday right. Yeah, night. yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, so I mean, you know, the as far as the little bit of the the scuttlebutt, and then when we talked to McDaniel's and Ziegler, just you know, in terms of that running back room, I and and they made it a point to say everybody's jobs open outside of outside of Derek Carr, outside of Devontae Adams, outside of Max Crosby. Everybody's starting jobs up for grabs, it sounds like, the way that they put it. So, yeah, I think and that's just the person, the one person in the one room, if you will, wide receiver room, running back room, OL room, that I think could emerge. There you go. Very That's quite a hot take. Good good thing it was on the list. Good thing it was on Ari's list to talk about today. The, the, the hot take of the, of the season. I enjoy that. Uh, so, yeah, we'll be out there tomorrow. We'll get, I'm sure, some sound on this show tomorrow. Uh, for what goes on out there at OTAs at the team headquarters in the sweltering heat. Hopefully it's a little cooler tomorrow. I don't know. I haven't, like, I haven't checked the forecast. I'm not that hardcore about being out there for a couple hours. I probably should be. Have you seen? Is it going to be all right? Well, I, you know what I enjoy on, day, on things like this? Because, you know, when, it's, when the season's on and you're out there every day, then it's good. But you, our boy PG... It's the T-shirt game. It's like 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 with the with the Aces when you go in, you want to see what Kelsey walks out with their kick game because her kick game strong. When Kayla McBride play here, it was like a big thing. And Ty Young, Ty Young has like the massive shoe collection. For you and PG, it's the it's the T-shirt game, like the old school stuff. So I, I kind of tend to that's 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 one of the things I look forward to more than just looking yeah. at the football team is the T-shirt game. What your guys are going to come out with? Paul Gutierrez, our good friend from over at ESPN. We'll see. I don't know. I don't think uh, our other friend Vic is in town. I don't think he's here. This week, it's unfortunately, not into the T-shirt game. No, but I mean, as far as like who's going to be out the there, old school, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, know, you guys are more old school. It's, it's this been, is just my third year out. It's there. been alleged that of you know working on covering the team that you know some people just sit in the back of the room and try to crack jokes. So uh, instead of actually covering the team, that was in the a, front row. Well, some people in the front row may have accused people in the back row. Of. Well, I'm just saying, you know, as opposed to the, the the comedians in the back that don't that just crack jokes and those who take it serious in the front. I know what you're saying. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, that was thrown out there. Don't have to get too too into it. Uh, and, then, had, and then there's us who sit in the back and the side. Yeah, you sit on the side. Although somebody's on <laughs> I'm my on the sideline. Although last week you talk about uh, you talk about things people don't care about, but we're going to say it on the air anyway because we I just whatever we're just talking out there talking about OTAs this week. Uh, the 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 amount of people that were in the media room last week because of the Colin Kaepernick story was infuriating, was infuriating, a- and mostly because. As we know, we don't have assigned seats, but we have assigned seats. Yes. Yes. And I walked in there. I'm like, well, there's like seven people at my seat. What are we doing? Yeah. Like, get I, out. So I have so I have a, a new 
Danny Webster with me. Sure. Right, uh, young lady who's who just graduated from college, and she's, she's accompanying me to WNBA stuff, NBA summer league, and, and sort of just breaking her in, and she's gonna do do my second stuff with AP, and so I was like, hey, put your put your backpack next to you, and put my backpack two two seats down because my guys are gonna be coming in, and they're in, in case. And when you walked in, you you walked right over, and I think there you found a seat, but I know that I had to hook Jesse up for channel three, and there was somebody else, but I was like. All these people are here because of Colin Kaepernick, and there's not going to be any news, and the regulars aren't going to have a seat. So put Ooh. these backpacks in there. Yeah, that was not not make me happy. Tomorrow, maybe hopefully, uh, hopefully it's not as chaotic and I crazy out at the Raiders facility. Uh, you, I mean, you talk about we're going to keep the hot takes going. Oh boy, you think there is a player who could emerge as the best kept secret in the NFL this year? Well, I did. <laughs> This is an article that I submitted based off of one of those, you know, those sites where they there there's there's the sites in every single city and they're putting it out there that Houston Texans tight end former Gorman standout Brevin Jordan is NFL's best kept secret. Not the team's best kept secret, not the AFC South's best kept secret, but the NFL's best kept secret is Brevin Jordan. Now he did rank among the top three in a lot of the pro football focuses rankings, as far as tight ends, rookie tight ends, um, and what he accomplished. And he's definitely been a bright spot in 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 sort of a, a rebuilding, uh, you know, team. And that's obviously hoping to improve. They got nowhere really but to go up. Um, and but he, you know, he he showed a lot of promise. And I think that they're expecting a lot of a lot out of him in his second season. And so I'm sort of excited to see what uh, what Levy Smith does with him and and how that team sort of I don't want to I don't want to use the phrase like builds around him but includes him in the rebuild in terms of around one another because he's a big part of it from everything that I'm seeing. But yes, that site that I read the article um, it says the headline Texans tight end Brevin Jordan the NFL best kept secret. Yeah, he might remain a secret if he stays in Houston because there's. <laughs> Not a whole lot of attention on that team. We'll see how it continues. And we had him on Cofield and Company last season, midseason. He granted me with an interview. And you know what we talked about? Have you thought about the first time that you will run out of the locker room at Allegiant Stadium and the Texans are coming to Vegas wow, this year? there you go. Uh, you know what? Th throwback movies are big right now. Yeah. Top Gun, Maverick is out. Everybody's talking about it. I will not see it, I don't think. But I do want to see Jurassic World Dominion. And you can too. Two tickets to the sneak premiere Tuesday, June 7th at 7 p.m. This summer experience the epic conclusion of the Jurassic era. Although, will it really be the conclusion? Universal Pictures proudly presents Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, and Sam Neill in Jurassic World Dominion in theaters June 10th. Two of you can go see the premiere on June 7th. That's at 7 p.m. Caller 6 and 7 right now. 364-1100. Caller 6 and 7. You're going to the premiere. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Han played college basketball, LIU Division II. Respect that. I was a Division II player. Keyshawn, big-time football player. We get all that. Bart Scott, he just looks to me like he's just ready to hurt somebody. I see him fouling out in five minutes. Jay Williams is the difference. I'm going with Jay Williams and Keyshawn to win this, assuming they survive without getting hurt by Bart. 
former UNLV quarterback and current voice of the Rebels on radio, Caleb Herring is live right now on Cofield and Company. Back here, Cofield and Company, on this Wednesday, Adam Hill, Willie Ramirez, in for Steve Cofield. Breaking news, and we'll bring in our friend, as the voice guy said there, Caleb Herring, to break this news, which came out about seven minutes ago, I think, right now. Donovan Williams staying in the NBA draft, will not return to UNLV this basketball season. Very unfortunate news for the program, but we obviously wish Donovan very, very well in his future. Uh, Caleb, tough decisions that kids have to make. Uh, it's, it's you know, not just this year. Every year you see guys having to make tough decisions. It, it's it's got to be difficult for a kid to decide when is the right time, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of doubt. I mean, there's a lot of fear that goes into deciding to essentially jump off the the cliff or with no safety net, right? right? In a lot of instances, I mean, maybe you know the G League and bouncing back um, in some other semi pro league to to keep the basketball dream alive. But for most people, especially with the way they've been raised and the way things have traditionally been, um, once you try and fail with the world of professional sports it's pretty much a wrap at least for you know that level of of play I mean there's there's other international leagues and things like that but the goal um being the NBA or the the NFL in the case of football is is it's it's very hard to get on a second try if that makes sense and, and not very many people get a second chance so once you're out there you're swimming in deep water so yeah definitely scary and for most of your life which I think well, that could be a different conversation about the the structure of sports in America as far as how it's always attached to education as you grow up. Um, there's not really many avenues that aren't attached to some other safety net, let's call it like, you know, basketball in college. You still have your degree should you not make it right. Yeah. So it's always there's always something else attached to the sport. But when you go to the NBA, it's like this is the first time you're a full time athlete. You've always been a student athlete your whole life. And now. You're putting all you're basically saying I'm pushing all my chips to the center of the table and I'm, I'm saying I'm good enough. And then there's the possibility that that guy has a pair of aces, pocket aces, and, <laughs> and you had no idea and you lose that hand. So and that's that's a tough hand to lose. But uh, like you said, good luck. Uh, the, the, the journey's hard. I hope the work continues. I hope it works out for him. But it's a tough loss for UNLV as a basketball program. Isn't that, I just I heard something you said there and I want to also point out like, yeah, you you could stay in school. You could have a degree to fall back on eventually, and, and that could be how things work out if you get your degree and then don't make it uh, in basketball. Like, okay, now you can go to the business world. But, like, this is a world that's about connections too, right? So it's possible, you know, just for an example, you enter the NBA draft, you don't make it, you go play in Europe or somewhere else, and you meet a team owner who really likes you and you get along and has an opportunity for you in business, something like that. Like, those things can't happen. So it's not – it's. It's not just an either or, right? It's like a black and white, or it's not a black and white world. It's it's a lot of gray out there, and you never know what's gonna come your way. There's a hundred percent. I mean, like the the networking aspect of what college could bring, college athletics especially. There's a lot of people um, who are connected. Let's say maybe not even with athletic type things, like where you'll just meet and, and bump paths with. And if you make a good impression on them, if you stay in contact with them, who knows what that could blossom into later on in life. Um, definitely if you're, if you're trying to travel the world and expand your horizons, just from a philosophical life experience standpoint, there's value in that. Um, so absolutely there's value. And I think there's also just value in what scholarship athletes 
don't have, especially this day, this day and age when they leave college after having a scholarship. And you don't have a massive amount of debt that most people are starting their adult lives with if they graduate from college hmm. absent of a scholarship. Um, so that, that there's plenty of benefits to make it worth it to take that journey. Um, and I just don't think that enough people realize that the fallback options of not making the NBA, quote unquote, like not making it, the fallback you have is a lot more positive if you, you know, take advantage of your time wisely. And like you said, the networking opportunities, staying in good contact. I've benefited from some of the relationships I built during my playing career in college. Obviously, I'm known now as the voice of the rebels by the by the voice guy. Like you said, so it's <laughs> yeah. like it's like there's all kinds of things that you can you can use to your advantage in life as, as a life skill to adapt and adjust to maybe the alternative of not making it. Um, and I think a lot of people are, are, are kind of set up for failure with the, with the whole notion that it's make it or bust. Like if I don't make it in the NBA, it's a bust. And um, that, I think that's an unfortunate psychological trick that we need to undo because finishing college these days with, without student debt is, is among many other positive things that, <laughs> that your career as an athlete can bring you short of the NBA. No question about it. That's Caleb Herring, uh, former Rebel quarterback and now voice of the Rebels, joins us each and every week here on the show. I hate to throw out another <laughs> potential. I mean, Donovan Williams thing is sad for Rebel fans, a uh, very sad life story that just kind of broke, too. And I, I don't even know where I'm going with this, but you know, Marion Barber, former star running back uh, in the NFL, former uh, University of Minnesota uh, running back as well, just was found dead in his apartment. It's been a real sad spiral for him. I know Des Bryant tweeted last year just how tough it is for him to watch old Marion Barber highlights just because his life just took such a a spiral after he played and obviously comes to a tragic end today. We don't know the details of what happened, but he's gone. I, I just we talk about all the time, you know, and, and it's not directly correlated necessarily. We don't know, but we can always assume things that, you know, when guys play a long time and and take a lot of hits and, you know, eventually have CTE and and you know, things can be affected by that. Like how, how scary is it looking back? Like, obviously you came through very well. Um, how scary is it looking back though and say like, man, football could have taken an ugly turn and, and it does for a lot of people. I, I think that's to me, it's, you know, the, the amount of people that we know about that play football that have any sort of symptoms of CT or, or just bodily injury as a result of playing football, right? Like we know about the people who, like I said, made it and we know their names. They had a professional career to some extent. They're well-known people in, in their marketing industry. I played football for most of my life. Like the majority, the overwhelming majority of my life was spent playing tackle football. Um, so to think of the people, this is where my, my mind always goes whenever the CTE discussion or the possibility and tragedies like this, whenever it comes up, I always think about the people who didn't make it, right? The people on college rosters who I'm sure played through concussions, who who have other serious injuries that maybe have a traumatic impact later on in life that don't have, you know, any sort of I made it story behind it. It's just like I played football and now I'm this. The lack of understanding, I guess, for those people um, to like be going through what we would call normal lives among, you know, trying to find a normal job and the normal stresses of life that yeah, non-NFL players have. And then also on top of it, have the symptoms and the consequences of a, a football life. Um, with their health, those are the stories that I think about. And I thought about it with my own my own personal life. And when when CT thankfully is getting more and not just CT, but a lot of the other mental health and physical health things that playing football kind of brings about in, in the later stages of life, 
just having a knowledge about those, you, you worry about yourself. Like, is there something dormant in me? Like anytime I have like a bad day where I'm just like irritable for no reason, it's like, is this CTE? Is it setting in? Is this do do I have to worry about that as a concern? How do I protect my family in that instance? Like what? So it, it's always there in the back of your head. And you wonder how, you know, how much people really understand the risk reward factors of playing in the NFL. And this is not to discourage anybody from playing football huh. um, because we love the sport and we understand that. But there is an ugly side to things that maybe hasn't been touched on enough. It's there now. It's in the light. But how much do we actually know and, and invest in preventing such things from happening? Like you said, we don't know the details if CT even has anything to do with this. But if there is any trace that there's evidence that we could we could prevent this from happening or make the game safer or different for the post playing career um, players, then I, I think we should definitely take a time to look at that and, and see if we can avoid some of this tragedy. And Caleb, beyond that, um, if it's not CTE, one thing to to mention. Um, you know, first thing you know that I think of, Adam knows I'm a big advocate for this. Talk about it all the time on my Instagram story. I think you and I follow each other on Facebook. But uh, 2014, he was detained by Mansfield Police, taken to a hospital for mental health evaluation. He retired before the start of the 2012 season. The NFL actually has a seminar that they put together that you go to when you retire for because a lot of players, educated or not. They go into a they go into a sort of a tailspin of depression because they sort of feel like I said even if they have a degree in a specific field they just don't feel worthy anymore and they go through this. There's counselors there that can speak to them that can help them. Good friend of the show, good friend of ours here in town, sort of a a local you know great story. Vernon Fox he attended that and he went to it because his first couple of years out of the NFL he went through his own mental health issues and 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 he suffered some concussions but just more so like what do i want to do and he is was a ordained minister didn't know if he wanted to follow the path of the cloth ended up coaching but point is um you know, mental health is very important to take care of. And we just talked about be pr prior to Mary Barber, uh, you know, deciding whether you're going to go pro or not and, and how you can handle that, the rejection of getting there. And I, you know, not to, to get long-winded on it, but we just finished Mental Health Awareness Month. But, you know, men and women, 12 months of the year, mental health matters. You take care of yourselves and find someone to talk to and always, always speak to. We don't know the, what took place with Mary Barber, and I don't want to think of the worst in, in, in that, you know, Maybe he took his life, but everybody matters. Your mental health matters. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think it's it's. I think the we've destigmatized the word, the term mental health, a, a, quite some a lot since since you know I was coming up through the ranks. But I think there's still work to be done as far as how we understand it and how we approach our daily health. And it's not necessarily sickness or or some sort of um, mental defect that we're talking about. It's just being consciously aware of the life and how we move through our own lives. And I think there's a lot. And I, like I said before, just, we put a lot of weight and we train kids with this all or nothing type of mentality behind something. And that has consequences because say the kid buys in to all or nothing. What you've just told them is short of the NFL, your life is worth nothing. I mean, I understand that the mindset has to so somewhat be that way where football is a priority. But then once they accept, once a person accepts that it's either all or nothing, the consequences that in a life, life, uh, life, the world in the real world is is it could be dire. It could be nihilistic. It could turn into life's meaningless. Life's not worth it outside of football. And that's 
a tragic way to move through the world. And I've, I've, I've known many people in my personal life, myself included, who have gone through a spell of depression, not knowing what to do after football. Like life after football is a scary thing. One, it's never even entered their their consciousness. It's like I, I can't fathom life without football in some capacity. And then two, once it like, holy crap, what do I do? What am I good at? I've put so much into being good at football. I'm not that good at anything else. And the world's not going to pause and let me figure it out. It's going to keep moving. Right. So that, that, that that's all, I think, and encompassed in when you talk about mental health and, and your mental well-being, I guess, is how it could be framed, where your life is more than one circumstance. Don't confine yourself to something. Just live your life according to, you know, how you feel your purpose should define and, and, and chase that with a passion that's that's healthy. I think that's what people should learn and understand before they go into the NFL or, or bust sort of mindset. But um, I think it's a conversation that we're we're really just scratching the surface on, especially in the world of sports. Um, but in, in overall society, we're really just scratching the surface on how to handle mental health. And there's a lot to figure out. And I think a lot of it starts before we get to, um, you know, the, the point where people are getting bullied and then shooting up schools or or God forbid, taking their own lives, things like that. Um, I think it starts way earlier in development. And there's a, a lot of science in the psychology field that that backs that up. But the, we, we need to do a better job of developing developing healthy mental habits before tragedy strikes. And I, I think that's where a lot of these conversations should start. Caleb, very serious conversation today. I just, I, I don't know why, why I felt like we had to do that, but I, I just, it really hit me when Marion Barber just passed, like, you know, earlier in the hour, we just saw the, the news of it. So we really appreciate your thoughts on this. And uh, hopefully next week, more, you know, more positive, more positive discussion on the show. But th- it's very important to have these talks. Yeah, it's a great talk. And I'm, I'm glad you're willing to have them. I'm glad to participate in them. And if it comes up again, well, I'll be more than glad to participate then, too. There you go. Thanks, man. Caleb Herring, follow him. Check him out. The voice of the Rebel football program here on the radio. We thank you. We'll come back. More to talk about on this program. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. I'm looking at Marcus Smart. He's not going to be switching. He's going to be up in the Steph Curry, getting up over screens. So Steve Kerr don't have to worry about him switching one through five because he's going to be tied to Steph Curry Kip all series long. Now, back to Cofield and Company at the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. NBA Finals starting tomorrow. Great matchup. I can't wait to watch Marcus Smart and Steph Curry match up along with the rest of the players out on the court. I think there's a lot of really intriguing matchups in this series as we get ready to see if the Warriors can win yet again or if the Celtics come through in the finals. The many, many time champion Celtics come through in the finals. Want to get the perspective of a former player, Eric Snow, longtime NBA player, did some coaching now with the Believe Network, breaking down some NBA. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good. How are you? We're good. Uh, the first thing, before we get into some of the NBA finals matchups, you grew up in Canton, Ohio. Obviously, people know Canton for football. How big is basketball in Canton, and why basketball and not football? Uh, well, I mean, football is my favorite sport, okay. <laughs> but, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, I was actually, a, a growing up, a better football player than I was basketball. Most mm-hmm. most of the people in my hometown were surprised to see me go basketball because I was a, a, a better football player. I just had a, I guess I just had a, you know, a, a light, more of a liking of, of playing basketball than football, but I, I was, um, 
you know, you know, better football player. I think it was really just like like outside of the game, um, just just all the preparation. I, I like basketball more, so okay. I kind of leaned that way. But yeah, football is my passion. All right. Well, that's interesting. Maybe we get into a little bit of football as well. But I definitely want to break <laughs> down uh, this series coming up. We we hear at the top. Marcus Smart, Steph Curry, everybody looking forward to that matchup. You were a great defender. Would you, mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, I guess just get it. How would you try to defend Steph Curry? What would you do to him? I mean, the best way to guard a guy like him is um, is to limit his touches. Um, you know, my, my philosophy in guarding people was limit touches um, and then make them, you know, make him catch further away from the basket, which, you know, doesn't really seem to matter as much to Steph Curry. <laughs> yeah. um, but that that's that's still, even as good as he is shooting deep shots, it's still a lower percentage than a layup. Hmm. You know, so, I mean, you trying to do that. But I think at the end of the day, limiting his touches, um, keeping him off the free throw line, um, and limiting his transition baskets and those wide open shots. I mean, which sounds easier, obviously, than what it is. Um, but if anybody can do it um, in his league right now, Marcus a guy that can you know try to do it. I think if you can hold him to his average, I think he's doing his job. Yeah, I mean if he, they hold it, yeah, I think that's probably the goal uh, when he's out there. I, yeah, I guess when you know you mentioned it, like you have to know obviously any player you're playing against, you have to know their strengths and weaknesses, you have to know the scouting report. But how difficult is it actually in the moment of a game when you when you realize all right, it's me and Steph. Like usually, I'm not going to guard a guy 30 feet from the rim. But now I, I have yeah. to make sure that I do do that. Like, how much of a mental adjustment is that to change how well, you it's, defend it? It's, 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 it's tough, but I think the, the, the tough part isn't necessarily Marcus being locked into the game plan on stuff. It's making sure that, like, you, we, we say Marcus is guarding him, but it's still a team game plan yeah. of how you guard him. And that's the difficult part because – where you're locked in on him, all of a sudden he comes off a screen and the guy that's guarding the screener isn't locked in. So now it's, it becomes more difficult. So, yes, Marcus will be locked in and he has to be locked in, but the team as a whole has to be locked into the team game plan and how you're guarding him and pick and roll, how you're guarding him when he comes off screen. Are you guarding him if he's going right off a of pick and roll different than if he's going left off a of pick and roll, if he's turning right shoulder, left shoulder. There, those are all different game plans, and you may have a different plan for each direction based on where he's going. So, yes, Marcus has to be locked in, but, you know, that screener or if he's setting the screen, if he's receiving the screen, it's a, it's a lot to go into it, and, and everybody has to be locked in. And I think the better the team is locked into that game plan, the better they'll, they'll be defensively. So, I mean, a, a lot of attention will certainly be on that matchup for sure, but there are players all over the field that are dangerous on both sides. Uh, do, you, do you think – the winner of that, how well they defend Steph and how well Steph plays determines the series, or do all the other guys on the court determine the series? I mean, I think, obviously, you know, you always got to look at, you know, the top players and Steph and Clay and um, Tatum and Brown. You know, those guys have to play well in order for their teams to win. But I do think it's very important for um, uh, uh, Al Horford or Grant Williams to um, match or play better than the uh, the game of Draymond Green. If they are able to do that, then that really um, helps them out because Gray, Draymond's a very, very vital part to this team. Um, and he initiates the offense a lot so Clay and Steph can come off screens and, and, and not be the primary ball handler. So 
Boston is a team that I think um, that they can pressure Draymond and stay in front of him. Most big guys can't do that. If you pressure him, he'll tend to, he'll tend to drive around those guys. So teams end up playing way off of him, and he just picks them apart. Huh. Boston has some guys I think can pressure him and stay in front. I mean, Grant Wood, those guys are guarding Giannis. <laughs> they can guard <laughs> um, um, Draymond Green and try to play off him and guard him and put a little pressure so that's a different intangible right there. I think it's you know it's that, and if they can, if Boston can kind of calm down the Wiggins and the Pool guys, they got to kind of keep them in place, and at the same time, Golden State being able to slow down those other guys, that, that will be that will matter a lot, like how well and how effective those other guys are in their roles. Well, you you may have a little bias toward Draymond. I don't know, uh, you know. Maybe something going yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a Spartan, so of course I'm always looking <laughs> for Spartan. Uh, as you, some, you know that, but I, I mean, I do understand the um, the impact that he has for that team. No, and, um, of course. I don't think he gets enough credit for um, how well they are offensively because everyone looks at him not being a terrific shooter, but his ability to play the four or five and to initiate the offense puts a lot of teams in a tough predicament because most guys. Can't don't have a four or five that can guard him on the perimeter and being they being when he's a when he's initiating the offense. Yes, they can defend him when he's off the ball, but when he's initiating the offense, that's a different different kind of pressure. Most of those guys aren't used to or equipped to to be able to guard a guy like that for a full game. Yeah, I, I watch a lot of Warriors games. It's it's amazing when he is playing well and on his game, which is a lot. I mean, he's a very very good player. That, that's when they become impossible to defend. I mean, it, yes, Curry making shots yeah. for sure. When Draymond is distributing, getting the ball at the top of the yeah. key and distributing the way he does as a passer, like that team's almost impossible to stop at that point. Yeah, I mean, he, he the guys get layups, and a lot of it is because you have Steph and Clay coming off screens, and guys are so locked into them that if they set a screen, most of the time their their guy doesn't help. Guys just come off and get wide open layups. So <laughs> it, it's it's tough to defend, and that's where you have you know you have to gauge how you're going to defend Draymond when he's initiating that offense. So it, it's tough, but I think, you know, it's, if any team can do it right now in the playoffs, Boston is, is that team, um, the way they've defended and the way they've played um, throughout these playoffs. There you go. Eric Snow, former NBA player. Check him out with the Believe Network. Uh, so I guess we'll just get right into that. Uh, what's your pick? Uh, I'm going to go Boston in six. I, I've wow. said it uh, <laughs> on other stations and other people. I can't change my mind now. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I, I don't want to be a guy that one, one, one day in Boston, the next day I'm going to go to state, so I'll hold to it. Just give everybody a different pick. Everybody else in my household is picking go to state, but I'll, <laughs> I'll pick Boston in six. Give everybody a different pick, and then you, to somebody you look like a genius. That's for it's, sure. I'll be right somewhere. Uh, last, last, last basketball thing I wanted to hit on with you, and I know uh, Willie has a question for you too, but uh, did you like the Jimmy Butler shot? You know what? When Honestly, when he took it, when he took that shot, I was like, oh, my goodness, why did he take that shot? Um, because, and the reason why the reason why I said that was not that, I didn't think he could make it was because I felt he had a transition basket and he had the lane and he could go one-on-one. And I felt he would, he was either going to score or foul because I didn't think the defense would really challenge the shot that much, especially if he went for it too. I felt Al would either play the shot, but I didn't think Al would give him a chance. He was either going to foul him or just kind of light contest 
and and knowing that hey, I don't want to give this guy an one. So I kind of anticipated him doing that, but when he went for the shot, it was sort of a if you don't make it, it's over type shot. Um, it's great if you make it, but I was still if I if I was able to tell him, I would have kind of said, hey, go to the basket, let's yeah. kind of play for overtime or something like that. I I just felt that one on that that pull up three was a different shot. Now, if everybody was back and it was no lane to the basket and you had rebounding position and they just backed off of you and gave you that wide open shot, hey, take it. But me being the, being the transition shot, I think I would have me I would have rather him drove to the basket. So, Eric, I want to keep it with basketball, but more of a, a from a personal proud standpoint. I, I, I read an article um, when I knew you were coming on less than a week ago, headline Eric Snow on playing with Allen Iverson and LeBron James. One way or another, I helped them do something. Eric Snow is happy to have helped two of the greatest players of all time make history. I mean, you did play with two of the most polarizing players of yeah. their era. Can you just share your, your time in playing with LeBron and, and AI? Yeah, it was awesome, man. It was, you know, actually, you know, playing with AI, you know, I was younger and around his age and just that whole kind of being around him as he became the Allen Iverson that we all came to know and just to be a part of that, like that's something that I'll cherish forever. And, you know, and, and as far as LeBron, you know, obviously I was with him when he was younger, but just to be a part of that, even though we didn't bring a championship home, but just to be a part of his, you know, him being his start of his career and actually bringing up, you know, taking that team to a finals and kind of seeing the transformation of that team and being part of that. Um, I would like to think that I was positive and, you know, around those guys in some way. Um, and because they were to me, you know what I'm saying? So I, I don't think I, I would like to think that it was neutral. And, and in some way they've shared that with me um, and, and, you know, in time. And, and I've, you know, just like to think that, but I think that about all my teammates, though. These are just two guys that, you know, go down as two of the best to ever play the game of basketball. Well, great career in your own right, and a uh, lot of lot of post career activities too. Some coaching, and now where can people check you out if they want to hear more? Because that was great stuff from you. Well, yeah, I mean, I have a podcast that I'm doing. I'm trying to branch out a little more there and. You go. and do a little more, be a little, you know, be seen a little more. I talk about basketball and things all the time, so I'm saying, hey, let's, you know, let's go out and have some fun with it. There you go, and football. I'm guessing a little bit too. That's your, that's the passion. Look, as well. I love to talk about football. There you all go. Day. We'll have you back on. We'll be closer <laughs> to the NFL season. Get some more from you. Great, anytime, great stuff. Uh, anytime. I appreciate it, guys. Appreciate you, man. Eric Snow. Good stuff.